Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Career Quest Podcast. My name is Michael Bonadio, and thank you for tuning in. Today we will be hearing Sam Taylor's Career Quest. She is a first year optometry student with a very bright future, but will she let her Achilles heel take over? Find out towards the end of the episode. Sam, I'm really excited to hear about your career quest today. Thank you so much for being here. But before we start, can you just give us a little bit about yourself? Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. My name is Sam. Um, I'm from Point Pleasant, New Jersey. I'm a first year optometry student at the Pennsylvania College of Optometry, also known as Salus University. And it is a four year program. So I have a little while to go. Just getting started, that's, that's gotta be pretty exciting though, right? Yeah, it is exciting. I just keep thinking about the end goal and it's going pretty quick already. So I always start off by asking the same question. Before embarking on your career quest, do you feel prepared or ready? Yes. I say, I guess, like I hesitantly because even though I feel like my undergrad really prepared me and we went to the same undergrad, so... I'm sure we can agree on a lot of that. Um, I feel like optometry school is just like a whole nother level. It's just different everywhere. Like I went from having four classes in my undergrad to having 11 classes in one semester. Like it's not even comparable. And you would have like midterms and finals and other assignments in undergrad where now I'm having midterms and finals, but just that. So my grade like fully relies on that. And it's as soon as midterms are done and you take your last midterm, you go right into finals because with 11 classes, it's not like you can just get them all done with in the beginning and then have some time in the middle. So that is something that's definitely been a little different, but I think Muhlenberg also, that was my undergrad, really set me up for success because it was such like a rigorous course load for a science major so I think that helped a lot. Thinking back when I was at Muhlenberg I always struggled midterms and finals when you threw that title of a midterm if it was just a test I'd be like oh okay I'm fine so my, I feel like I would struggle because I relied on those little assignments that kind of made your grade but dealing with only midterms and finals yikes I'm happy I didn't didn't go to a optometry school. (laughs) There's no participation grade. That is out the window at this point. (laughs) Really? I needed that. (laughs) Yeah. And just thinking back about your career, I think we have to start during your senior year because you had a couple different roles that have started your career, I would say. Um, The first one I think of is when you were the president of Alpha Chi Omega. This position kind of puts you in a place to be the leader of peers that's not an easy job. Was it ever awkward telling your close friends what to do or that they messed up? All the time. Like these are people who I considered my best friends that I would go to for anything. And then if you need to call them in for a standards meeting is what they're called. If you do something wrong, um, it was very uncomfortable because these are my best friends. Like I don't want to not yell at them because you're not like yelling at somebody, but it's like, I don't want to tell someone like you made a mistake because 
like you're my best friend and it's a lot to separate the two and realize like when I'm in this position, it's like one thing, but then outside of it, I'm just your friend. So it's really hard to separate the two. What did you do to allow yourself to separate the two? Was there something mentally you did or was it just, this is what I have to do? It took me a while. So I'm the type of person where I like dedicate everything to something. So for me, it was like my schoolwork was everything, but then being president was everything. So I would like drop whatever I was doing with school if something needed to be going on with my sorority or if somebody had a question, I would drop like studying and just being like, yeah, like, what do you need? And then I realized like that's just not healthy. <laughs> like you need to separate times for everything. So I kind of just ended up being like, all right, after this time, like I'm not talking about my sorority. If I'm going out with my friends, like I'm not talking about it. Like it needs to be separate. And that helped because then I felt like when I was with my friends, we would be like, okay, well, we can talk about it for like five minutes if we were at lunch. And then we're like, okay, the rest of the time it's not being brought up. Like, let's move on to something else. Let's talk about something fun. Like, how's your day? What are you doing? Like, let's not talk about like sorority things setting up that balance of like that work play balance where you're able to get all your business done but then also have a good time just talking about life that's not easy for people though yeah and i think it will also help me just working because i would love to have my own private practice and there's going to be times where i need to talk in a very firm way or just being the boss of my own private practice to all my workers you want to separate that too when you leave the office and you're not going to want to come home and that's all you talk about. Or if you go out for dinner with your coworkers, like that's not what you're going to want to talk about the whole time. So it's learning to separate the workplace and outside work. Speaking of private practice, we're going to get to that in a little bit. I got a, a question or two about just creating it and the mental state of the, of it. So we'll get there. <laughs> Uh, your senior year, you were also picked to be the presidential assistant of the Career Center. I know a little bit about being a PA just from being at Muhlenberg, but can you tell us what exactly presidential assistant is? Yeah, so basically a presidential assistant works 20 hours a week for the school. In return, you get a monthly stipend and they pay your tuition. That's got to be pretty nice. It was nice. <laughs> Working with the Career Center and helping them out with all the different projects they have and just kind of their day-to-day. -day. Why did you apply for this job when it doesn't directly relate to being an optometrist in the future? So I was originally um, curious about it because a girl in my sorority was actually the presidential assistant, ended up being that I took the position she had. She was explaining the position to me and just how amazing the career center was, which I learned on my own is amazing and the people there are awesome. But for me personally, I wanted to help my parents. I'm an only child and I'm very lucky that my parents have been able to pay my undergrad tuition and help me out and leave me with no loans after undergrad. But I felt guilty. Like they gave me so much, but I wanted to give them something. So I thought if I was a presidential assistant to get rid of 
the whole tuition for my senior year was something that I could say like, thank you. And like, I appreciate everything they did for me. So it was for me, but it was also for my parents. I bet they definitely appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, well, my parents thought it was uh, not real. <laughs> they definitely called the school, made sure. My dad was like, this doesn't make sense. You're telling me that you're going to pay my daughter's tuition. <laughs> but That would have been the best but worst prank ever on them. Yeah, they didn't believe me, but it was true. <laughs> That's honorable to hear that you wanted to help them out instead of just, oh, this will push me further in my career. After graduating, you already knew what your career was going to be. You studied neuroscience, and now it's, I have to go to optometry school. I want to be an optometrist. But why an optometrist? How did you figure this out? And did something happen that said, that's what I want to do? Yeah, so I had glasses since like second grade. So I was always going to the optometrist. And I remember I wanted contacts because that was the cool thing. So I kept going to the optometrist in middle school and I couldn't get the contacts in my eyes. I don't know what it was. I just couldn't do it. So I kept going because I'm stubborn and I was like, I'm going to get this. But every time I went, I was like, this is actually pretty cool. Like I could see myself doing this. And then my optometrist kept telling more, telling me more and more about the field. And I was like, wow, like it's not just prescribing glasses. Like this is really interesting. You can see like diseases in the eyes. I can tell if you have like diabetes or glaucoma, if you have cancer just by looking in your eyes, like what is going on? It's related to the brain, like your whole central nervous system. It's pretty cool. So it's also fun fact, the only part in the body that you can see blood vessels moving live in action just by looking through the eye, like just through an instrument, not opening the body up. It's pretty cool. <laughs> but then when I was in high school, I was waitressing at the cafe in town, and my boss told me that there's an optometrist that comes in every single week. He has a summer house down here. You should talk to him. I met him. He was amazing. Uh, right away, he was like, you can come shadow me anytime you want. I had no idea that there was anything different to optometry, but I discovered that he was specializing in vision therapy. So when I went to his office, um, it was not your typical optometrist office. Like he did nothing with prescribing glasses or contacts. It was solely vision therapy. And for him, it was mostly working with children. So this can be children that um, went through trauma, brain injury, or just developmentally, they're not, their eyes are not working at the same level as their brain when it comes to reading. It might take them a while to process looking at the board and then needing to copy down notes or just reading a page, not staying on the same line, um, or just seeing like double vision. So I thought it was really cool. And after the day I shadowed him, I was like, this is what I want to do. And he was actually a professor at an optometry school and his textbooks are used for vision therapy. <laughs> so I've actually read one of his books that he wrote, which was amazing. And I still talk to him today and update him on everything going on with school. So he's definitely my mentor when it comes to the field of optometry. I bet you never expected to gain that mentor when you started applying to a cafe job. Never. Like who would have thought when I was waitressing that I would meet somebody that has influenced my entire life? It's crazy how small that was 
but turned into a major aspect of your life because working at a cafe is you were probably doing it throughout college and high school and it was just a a way to make money pass the time things like that and now this is a person you still talk to today you read his books and it's just crazy to hear how that cafe job turned into present day you yeah and now I want to be like the same way he is like everything he's done in the world of optometry like I want to do I want to be like just as good as him did you ever look at going to the optometry school he's a professor at so yes he's a retired professor now he actually went to the optometry school I go to now <laughs> but I did apply to the one that he was professor at interestingly enough he wanted me to go to the school that I go to now instead so I thought that was interesting that with everything that he has seen in both schools, that he knew where I should go. And it actually ended up being where I am today. Maybe he wants you to be just like him, just like you want to be just like him. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so you make the decision to go to Salus University. But what set Salus apart from all of the other different schools? So many things. One definitely being location. There's not many optometry schools. I'm pretty sure there's 19 in the whole entire country. There's not one in New Jersey. I love New Jersey, but I knew that the closest one would either be New York City or Pennsylvania. And I'm not a city girl. I told myself I could be a city girl. And I was like, yeah, I can do it. I can go to SUNY, but I definitely couldn't have. So Salis, I went to the campus. I thought it was pretty, but I knew that it was a really good program. And it was a very good program with vision therapy too. So that was important to me. Like I wanted something close to home, but I wanted something that I knew I was gonna get a good education and a good clinical experience, which was the most important. And somewhere that I could see myself specializing and staying there for my residency. Hearing all of the different things that set South apart, when I think about optometry school, I think it's gotta be quite difficult. The classes have to be hard. You talked earlier about no participation grade. It's just midterms, finals. But how hard are the classes? Very hard. <laughs> you have to remember, too, like we're in a pandemic. So I'm, I say 95% online. The only reason I go on campus is just for my clinical skills lab. And right now I'm going for my ophthalmic optics lab. But besides that, every single lecture is online. For the most part, they're all recorded, so they're not live at all. The professor just posts them when the time is ready for me to watch them. So it's, it's very important for you to be organized and you to actually go and do it yourself, like to log on, to decide you want to watch the lecture because no one's telling you to. You're not showing up to a classroom. It's hard because the professors have no idea who you are. They see me from literally just my eyes. I'm double masked. I used to have to wear goggles when I was there over my glasses. So I'm losing the aspect of I don't have my professors getting to know me. And my professors are people that I'm going to be working aside. Like they're doctors and I'm going to be a doctor soon. And it's somebody that I would maybe refer a patient to or maybe they would know of me in the future and like refer a patient to me. So I'm losing that aspect. I basically, the only professors that know me are 
my clinical skills professors because they're like my direct doctor to work with. Um, with 11 classes too, can be very hard to keep up because <laughs> if you don't keep up, like you're gone. <laughs> like There are a lot of people that I've already dropped out of my program and there's only 158 of us, I believe. So it's pretty crazy. <laughs> That's got to be a shock coming from Muhlenberg where class sizes are anywhere from like six to 23. I think the most I ever had was like 30, but that was pushing it of the size of a classroom where you knew every professor. You saw them walking down academic row. You saw them. They knew who you were. You weren't just this this person or a set of eyes. Yeah. It's actually, it is really cool how Sala sets it up. They basically have four different groups. So it's like A, B, C, or D. I'm in C. So I will only be with those people for my four years, and there's only 40 of us. So it's not a huge class size. Like when we have our lectures, they're pre-recorded, so you watch on your own. But when you go to clinical skills lab, it's only the same 40 people. So it's like you don't even know anyone from any of the other sections. And it's difficult when I first came to school because it was hard to make friends. You're barely on campus. When you're there, it's two hours. You have a mask on. You don't know anyone. And you're like not really socializing because you can't stick around and hang out. You need to like stay apart. But it's also, I don't know. It's pretty crazy because the school that I'm in, it goes into clinic a lot faster than other schools. So I'm going into lab and I'll be patient or doctor, depends. Sometimes you switch in one day or you take turns, but I'm fully working like with my classmates, working on their eyes. So it's pretty crazy. Like everything I just learned on lecture, like I'm going to lab and I'm doing it. Where I feel like a lot of other professions or just dental or med, like you're not working on a live person, like you're working on like a cadaver or working on like a mannequin where like I'm working with real eyes. Like if I scratch your cornea, that's going to stay there for life. Like <laughs> it's a lot different, but it's pretty crazy that they have this trust in us too, to just go into the lab and do everything. I wouldn't put too much thought into scratching someone's cornea. That could really get to your head and mess with you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when you were talking about you have to motivate yourself. Yeah. What is driving that motivation? The end goal to be a doctor. That's all I think about. Like there's many times where I'm like, I don't know, can I do this? Like neuro is definitely, neuro is my major and neuro is my hardest course in optometry school. My school also is different than other optometry schools where I have six neuro classes where I don't need these six neuro classes. It's not all going to be on my board's exam, but Salas wants their students to go more, I guess, in the neuro specialty. So that's why they've made it a large part of their program now. And our professors are geniuses. Like people fly across the country to see them, but they're very, very smart. It can be very hard to understand sometimes, but neuro is definitely the hardest. And when you watch those lectures and you study and you might not do as great on an exam as you thought, it's defeating especially because that was your major but you just have to remember um, you just have to learn your mistakes figure out what to change next time it's so different from undergrad you're not going to do the same study techniques that you did then 
And you just need to remember, like, at the end of the day, I'm going to be a doctor. So I might not be a neurospecialist, but I'm going to be a doctor. And I just need to keep powering through and try hard because it will pay off. When thinking about it, it can't be easy pushing yourself every day when you have the thought, that was my major, how did I do well? Mm -hmm. Learning from it, it's, it's not an easy task. It's difficult. But... You had this neuroscience major at Muhlenberg. You also had a minor in women's and gender studies. Yeah. Were there any classes that you felt would have been good to take thinking back to Muhlenberg? 100%. I should have minored in business because now that I want to have my own private practice, like I have no idea how to run it. <laughs> like I've been on a lot of Zoom calls with doctors that my school has set up that have private practices and they'll talk about a lot of like business terms and finances and I'm so lost. Like I have no idea what they're talking about. And they're like, it's okay. Like you can hire someone, but I wish I would have taken classes or I would have minored because I think it would have been really beneficial. What is the appeal of a private practice versus not having your own practice? Honestly, with private practice, there's more room to grow. There's more room for money, but there's more room to grow, especially as a woman. Starting in optometry, the starting salary is like $30,000 less than a man. So in private practice and being your own boss, you have the ability to make a lot more in profits. And you can also change your schedule, how many patients you want to see. A lot of times with corporate optometry, you'll see a certain amount of patients a day and it's very like, okay, in and out that's it. We're private. You can build more relationship. Sometimes you got to look out for yourself. You have to be your own boss sometimes. Yeah. And I like being a leader. So, <laughs> well, based off of the experiences you've had, it seems you must be a good one being a president of Alpha Chi, having the presidential assistant job. Now thinking that you're also in clinical at this stage, people trust you. So that's going to be a valuable resource to kind of keep in your back pocket. I'm not sure when your own practice will come to fruition. Let me know if it's local. I might think about going. We'll, we'll have to figure some gotcha. things out. <laughs> but I do know that we're basically a present day of your career quest. Can you pinpoint a moment, event, or piece of advice that changed your entire perspective or mindset? Just in general about optometry? This is in general your mindset. So it's not necessarily just optometry. It's could be anything that changed your perspective. I would say a turning point for me was my freshman year of college. I went to Florida for spring break with my grandmother. Met her there because she was there. She was a snowboard snowbird. She'd go down there for the winter. And I just realized she wasn't herself. A little different. Very talkative. <laughs> More than normal. So she came home and basically my mom took her to the doctor and they found out that she had a brain tumor. So glioblastoma, yeah, there's really no stage. It's just technically, I guess you could say like just stage four. She had a, a tumor that was like the size of a tennis ball removed from her frontal lobe. And after they told her she might not even know who we are, she may not be able to speak, do math. Um, her vision could be affected and her vision was affected. And she was able to do math, she remembered us, but her quality of life just went down after. 
And I did see her doing like little vision therapy techniques and her double vision went away and she would only like open one eye. So that stopped too, because she was seeing double. So she was able to train her eyes to work together again. But what it taught me overall is one family's everything. And it's always been everything for me, but like even more. And I was able to see optometry directly used with my grandmother being that she um, had the brain tumor and affected her vision. But I would say that made me fight harder to be a doctor because she was so proud that like I would be the first doctor in the family and, and she's not here now to like see it all. But I know that like everything I'm doing is making her proud. And that's what keeps me going. I'm sorry to hear that about your grandmother. It's okay. It must be a, a tool of motivation. Maybe not necessarily at the front of your mind, but in the back of your head, it's, I'm going to do this. Like, she's going to see me be this doctor. And yeah, that it's giving me chills a little bit just to hear that that happened and you were able to see it firsthand and now relay it to the rest of your life. Yeah. I want to now transition into the mythologically themed questions. I want to play on a, a god of Norse mythology, so Loki. If you've ever seen Thor, you might have an idea of who Loki is, but he is the trickster god, the god of mischief, and I want to play on it. Has there ever been a time you were tricked or deceived into doing something or believing something, and what was the takeaway you got from it? I think in general, deceiving is the field of optometry. And I think a lot as optometrists, we have to struggle with explaining to people that we are also doctors in the medical field. And for a lot of people, they think we're not doctors or we're fake doctors. And especially in a pandemic, when only essential workers are working and optometrists are told that they're not essential, it has been a time where I think optometrists feel like they have to fight more to explain why they are essential and why they are just as important as your primary care physician or your dentist. And it's something that I think will always be a struggle because I think a lot of people will just always say we're the fake doctor or, well, it's just eyes. That's You just need to learn about eyes, but you don't. Like I've learned about every single like blood vessel and every single artery like vein in your brain and every lobe and what it all does like it's the whole body i can tell you what happens if you step on something sharp on your foot and what pain signal it sends all the way up to your brain but it's more too of just the open communication like between ophthalmologists and optometrists like what's the difference like it's not a competition we're just two different fields and we do work together but I think for a lot of people, it's deceiving to them. And even for an optometrist, it's hard to have to always explain yourself and explain like why you are important and that you do have a degree and it is a doctorate. <laughs> this isn't voodoo. It's not, you're not voodoo dolls. You're not right. in a random shop. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't just prescribe eyeglasses. It's more. <laughs> You have to actually go to school. It's not just something you walk in. You're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go mess with that person's eyes and call it a profession. Yeah, it's not just one or two. I know that's the classic. That's all you say. 
but it's a lot more too. Think about optometry. I'm not even sure what this answer will sound like. So I'm very excited. Throughout your career, I know it's been a short year since graduation, but what has been your Achilles heel? That one thing that could have been the demise of your career? Myself. Which is sad, but it's true. I am really hard on myself. And I guess I didn't realize how hard I am on myself until now. Like, it's really, really, really at its front now in optometry school. Like, I always second-guess myself. I guess I always thought I was confident, but now I feel like I'm constantly second-guessing everything I do, saying I'm not going to do well on an exam, I didn't study enough, I don't know enough, when I study literally all day, like 12 hours a day just doing work. And my grades have been great. Like, they've been really good this semester. Knock on wood. Let's keep it there. <laughs> we got another yeah. round of exams starting <laughs> this week, so we'll see. But I'm so hard on myself and I'm constantly doubting myself. And that to me is something I need to overcome. And I know I do, but I'm my own worst enemy. And I know it's like cliche and everything, but it's true. Have you been working on it? What are you doing to become more confident? Or does that just come with the four years of optometry school? I think it will come with the four years. I'm just, I'm hard on myself. Like I always want to improve. So I'm constantly trying to be like, okay, well, if this is my GPA. Like I want to bring it to this. Or like if I got an, I got a 90 on my last exam, I'm like, well, I need to get like a 95 on the next one. Like I need to do better. Like I need to do something that will like improve it. And I don't know, I guess going into it, I, I'm just hard on myself. And I don't know why. But if you take that, aspect of being hard on yourself if you take that away would you care mm -hmm. it's showing that you actually care what you want to do it's all right i'm gonna be nervous i'm gonna freak out about this exam but if you took that out why be an optometrist like you wouldn't care about your future yeah so a little bit of it isn't bad <laughs> no not a, just a little bit i am i think i'm doing better though in like rewarding myself like if I do get on an exam, I'm like, okay, let's have ice cream or like, let's not study tonight. Like, let's take a night off. You had an exam today and you did really good. Like I'm trying to do little things to reward myself, but I don't know. I just, I'm very hard on myself. I feel like everyone is at least a little, but hearing a few of your different answers, uh, you talked about a mentor that you had, but who has been the Oracle that you go to? that person that you can always go to for help? Well, it was always my grandma, but also my parents. So I go to them for everything. I actually go to my mom a lot and I'll be like, what would grandma do? Like if she was here right now, like what would she tell me to do? Or what would she say to me and help me with in this time? What would her advice be? So definitely my parents, but my grandma for sure. It must be tough not having her, but... At least you're able to talk to your parents and see, oh, okay, this is what she would think and et cetera. Yeah. This quest has been intriguing because I've never really dove deeper into an optometrist career, whether they're 45 or they're 24. I've 
never done that. And this has been an amazing conversation, but I want to get into the final thought questions. What is the one thing you wish you knew before embarking on your quest? Well, I wish I would have known that we were going to be in a pandemic, (laughs) but everyone I think wishes they would know that Um, just because even living on your own, being in a different state, starting a new school with nobody you know, it can be very lonely. So it's hard to adjust on top of having 11 classes in a new environment. But other than a pandemic, I would say I wish I knew going into it that it was going to be like a full-time job. Like I knew it was going to be hard. Like why would it be easy if you're going to get your doctorate? Like I never thought it was going to, but I didn't realize I was going to be studying 12 plus hours a day. <laughs> like I'm not making money from it, but it is my full-time job. So I wish going into it, I knew that. The expectations would have been nice to know before kind of diving deeper. Yeah, I guess no one can really prepare you. It's all depends on the person too. Some people just want to get by. You, you, you want a hundred on everything. Oh yeah. Some people they're like, at the end of the day, I'm going to be a doctor. I just need to pass my boards and that's it. Doesn't matter what my GPA is. But to me, I'm like, no, my GPA matters. (laughs) Like I want to be a good doctor. I don't want to just be a doctor. (laughs) It's, it's cool to see the difference because there's those that just go D's get degrees or P equals MD. Like it's kind of interesting to see the difference, how you're uh what's a b i want an a at all times (laughs) i know (laughs) the last question i have is in terms of professional development what is something you are doing today that you feel everyone should be doing this can be anything from reading this specific book watching a specific thing on netflix following someone on twitter it can be anything this might be weird but i I'm obsessed with like looking at doctor TikToks (laughs) because they're educational. Like I'm using it as a resource and I've met so many other optometrists like through the TikTok world and even just MDs and DOs. Like I get to see everything in other aspects and a lot of them actually talk about COVID vaccines and just like symptoms and like myths about the vaccine. So it's like an educational tool just to take in about like COVID in general and specific practices and be able to see like myths and what people are doing for like dermatology or like, I don't know, I've been seeing a lot of ophthalmologists too and like what they're seeing and dentists, like all different aspects. It's, I don't know, I think it's kind of cool. And it's normally in like a little short TikTok, little dance involved, but with like informative information. <laughs> Do you ever turn off the doctor hat? Yeah. You study, you watch TikToks, like, oh. do you ever do anything else? <laughs> All right. Another thing I really learned is you need to take time for yourself because I, this is really embarrassing and really sad, but like last semester, I remember I, li- I live alone. I went three days without even going outside because I was studying for all my finals. Like that is very upsetting, and very unhealthy, but I've learned this semester, like, okay, you know what? I'm going to study, but after this, I'm going to go to the gym. Like I have to, for my mental health. Like that is my thing, my stress release. Like I need to take time for myself. Like I'll watch a Netflix show tonight 
and I'll go to bed at like this time, stop studying at this time, have some time for just like myself to just relax, not use my brain and just like enjoy time. That is definitely advice. Everyone needs a mental health check every day just to do something that's like not work related. Well, we have come full circle. We started off talking about work-life balance in terms of the sorority. And now we're talking about work-life balance in terms of work and optometry. Yeah. We have come completely full circle. We have. Sam, thank you so much for being here today. This has been a great experience. I've learned a lot just from hearing the different answers. And I really believe everyone else will be able to gain valuable insight. So thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. This is nerve wracking too, (laughs) but it's exciting. Thank you for having me. Wow. I believe everyone can relate to being their own worst enemy. I know I can, especially when starting a business or a new idea or even their own practice. But let me know what you thought. Rate and review this podcast and follow at CareerQuestPodcast on Instagram. I would greatly appreciate it and make sure to subscribe for next week's episode.